Hello, you're listening to A Little Bit of Largum, a podcast exploring how to find a more balanced, sustainable and mindful approach to living, to support your well-being, the well-being of others and of the planet too. My name is Marla and in this episode I'm sharing with you a conversation that I had with Francisca Rocky, a freelance writer and founder of Black Geographers a community interest company working to tackle the erasure of black people in geography. Francisca is studying geography as an undergraduate and in this chat we talk about what led her to study geography, how she started the Black Geographers platform, the work they're doing and the goals she hopes to achieve through the platform. We also discuss her work as a writer, specifically some of the recent articles published by Euronews, which I definitely recommend you read, and I'll leave the links to them in the show notes. One of these articles has a strong focus on the lack of diversity within the geography field and why this is so damaging, and the other article is drawing upon the stark realities of environmental racism in relation to toxic air pollution. After diving into her work, Francisca then shares incredibly important perspectives surrounding looking after your mental health, especially when engaging in such crucial work and the importance of setting boundaries. There's definitely a lot you can learn from this conversation and lots of useful advice to take away. It would be great if you wouldn't mind just giving a little introduction to who you are and the kind of things you're getting up to at the moment. So I'm Francisca. Um, I'm actually a geography undergraduate, um, but I'm in my second year and I'm 21. So I took some time out of education. So and I run Black Geographers, which is a community interest company working to tackle the erasure of black people in geography. And we're aiming to do that by creating like a platform for us to network and connect and loads of other things, which I'll mention like later on. And what else do I do? Oh, I'm also a freelance writer. At the moment, I've written two pieces for Euro News and I've got a few other commissions from other publications coming up in the next couple of weeks slash months. Um, and I do loads of like other things, like I volunteer for Greenpeace and now Waterade, because I've run, running the Mon- London Marathon in October. So I'm starting a little bit of work with them. And there's loads of like other things that I do. I'm really one of those people that does a lot. And I don't actually know how I manage it, but I do. I get you it's like dabbling in things everywhere and then you suddenly like whoa that's a lot actually awesome that sounds super exciting that you're running a marathon yeah I found out the other day um because I put through an application in October and I've been doing so for the past like four years five years maybe since 2017 and this year is the first year I've ever been offered a charity place because there's two like ways you can get into the London Marathon so you can be entered into the ballot um, and you can be entered in for a charity and then if you get entered for a charity you then have to do another application so they liked my application and I got through to be, have a charity place and this is something I've always wanted to do it's one of those things I think I had on my bucket list when I was like 10 um, because I've always been into sports and I used to do like cross country and things when I was in school and I've kind of continued with running and playing sports as well at university and even outside of university so I was like right I'm gonna run the London Marathon even though I've never run a marathon before Wow. Um, really exciting. well massive congratulations for getting that that's awesome so I wanted to ask what was it initially that fueled your passion to study geography as an undergraduate so it's one of those things where I studied at GCSE and I got a good grade and then I was like right I'm gonna study at A level which for some subjects is a mistake 
don't do that <laughs> but I did actually do still like do well in it at my A level and then it was one of those things where I was like out of all the subjects I've ever learned because I always knew I wanted to go to university and over the years it's kind of changed what it is that I wanted to do so I remember getting most likely to be a lawyer like in high school um, you know those awards they do like when you're in 11 or whatever and I was like <laughs> I love arguing and debating but no I'll probably cry (laughs) (laughs) like trying to defend someone I can just imagine myself crying if it was something I felt really passionate about but um and then when I was thinking about like what is it that I actually want to do and that I'd enjoy especially having to write essays about it what is it that you want to learn more about and geography was that because I can do all the things I'm passionate about like politics and um, like human resources and the environment and so many other things within this one subject and it's like for three four years I can write essays about this type of stuff because I actually enjoy doing the research for it even the science of geography that I find a bit boring or that I hate I can always find something that you know find something within those things that I do enjoy but yeah generally I love it. That's so great I think it's super important to have something that fuels your passion that you Mm. actually want to put that time and energy into so I'm really glad that you you feel that about geography it's so cool Mm. so next I wanted to touch upon one of your articles that was published by Euronews and this one was titled hidden faces why I launched a movement for black people in geography Mm. and within that article you talk a lot about the barriers within the geography field and what kind of needs to be done to make it more accessible and diverse so I'd love for you to just chat a bit about that and yeah what steps need to be taken to achieve that. So I think that academics and employees need to realise that as a subject we have a problem it's all well and good us raising awareness to the issues and but they need to accept that these issues exist um, so we can work together to encourage more black people specifically black students to continue with geography beyond GCSE, A-level, undergraduate, postgraduate and actually going into those environmental sector jobs. We owe it to the subject that literally studies the world for it to be diverse or we're just getting the white perspective of black and brown stories and you can see why that's problematic and that was a big fuel of mine is that when you search like geographers on Google Images for example it's literally a sea of old white men and that's not reflective of what we learn because a lot of what we learn is usually not based in white majority countries so then why is everything I read and everything I hear only from one perspective because how I see something even as a black geographer when I'm reading into things I'm thinking about it oh but I can understand why you know some black communities might feel this way towards something given the fact I am actually black and if I hear that from a white man or woman I'm kind of like you know where did you get this information from because research is one thing but like I have a lived experience from either being from that place or having friends or family from that country or who live in that area. Yeah no I really want to pick up on what you say there about the importance of recognizing lived experiences you can't have a sea of white middle class men telling the stories because they're never going to truly understand that. Mm -hmm. And I think when other people hear them as well, sometimes it can come across, especially when it's to do with like development, it can come across as very like white saviour complex. And, you know, 
people in these countries have been doing a lot of work for many years that we don't recognize in western countries unless you go and do your own research it's always a case of oh we need to go and help them and it's like actually some of these people have been doing things for decades oh you've just muted yourself you're back okay (laughs) particularly indigenous communities they have been doing a lot of environmental work over the years and a lot of the time it doesn't get um recognized so those stories are what we highlight on our instagram for example and we always try and you know whatever we're all researching personally because everyone who works for the team is either in an undergraduate a postgraduate or working in some sort of environmental sector job so whatever we find we, that's what we kind of show to everybody else awesome so yeah you created the platform black geographers and i'd love to hear a bit more about how you came to setting that up and what your aims were within the platform so like many things for me <laughs> it started with a tweet so i was having a conversation with eden who also works for black geographers and i was just saying like why do we not know many other black geographers aside from like at the time it was just us two and then you know I started looking into it and discovered all these like facts and figures and I was like I can't believe this and I can't believe nothing's ever been done or it's never been like no one's ever raised awareness from it as far as I could see and originally the plan was just to have an Instagram page where I shared like what it was actually like to be a black geographer and what we actually do in geography because a lot of people don't even know what we do everyone thinks of colour Um, all it is is maps and I'm like there's so many other parts of geography like there's um, the geography of food or the geography of sexuality the geography of hair which I only discovered recently and I was like wow that's a thing yeah I've never (laughs) heard of that oh it's amazing honestly like there is nothing that you cannot make geography basically Mm. but um, yeah so from that conversation and when I set up an Instagram page and that is all I wanted it to be at first and then we decided discovering more black geographers because I was like hashtagging, like using hashtags and things like that. And we discovered Louie and so many other people who now either work for the team or, you know, it's, are members of like our network. And yeah, it's kind of grown into something a lot bigger now. Obviously, we're a community, in, community interest company now, which is more like for the legal reasons. Um, so that we are like in full ownership of our work and things like that. So it can't be taken by anybody because it legally is mine. And I guess my main goals for like the platform are to continue raising awareness, inspiring the next generation of black geographers and to continue creating opportunities. And it might be more than that because in April it is, it will be one year of me like setting it up. I'm not as a community interest company, but as a network, probably when I've left university, I'll be able to do a lot more of it because I'm quite limited at the moment because I still want to take as many opportunities as I want, I can while I'm in university and get involved in loads of different things so I'm quite limited in that sense so I do try to do I do a lot but I try to do as much as I can that I can mentally do and physically as well that allows me to still have an identity outside of just being a black geographer which can be difficult but I'm learning. (laughs) Yeah for sure because I can imagine it's something that is such an important discussion to be having but you have your whole other interests and identity that you want to be able to express and explore and the fact that we're still living in a world that isn't allowing these spaces to be diverse and accessible it's almost preventing you from being able to do all the things you want to do definitely and I do feel as though some sense of like responsibility as well knowing that this is a space that I do find uncomfortable 
that it's not diverse and that the reading lists are not diverse and it's like well I could just continue and ignore the problem and hope that someone else does something about it or I could actually be some the person who kind of pioneers for this change and I've definitely seen like some improvements here and there and conversations being had at various different universities so it's looking very positive um it's just one of those things where it's like we can't just let it slide type of thing we kind of need to keep making sure that we stay on everybody's necks about all the issues and actually see some real progressive change that's long lasting and not temporary I think it's yeah incredibly inspiring that you have you have taken the initiative to be doing these things and putting so much energy into it it's yeah absolutely incredible but I was just wondering as well if you'd be happy to summarize some of the resources and events that the Black Geographers platform is facilitating so we facilitate workshops so last year we had some LinkedIn workshops for example we had a dissertation workshop um, for dissertation students that wanted to speak to the graduates on our team and get some tips and things like that which I really enjoyed even though I'm not doing my dissertation at the moment it was really good to just be there and to hear from them as well even though I work with them but it was just good to hear it again you know and to also hear what other people were writing for their dissertations um we do research focus groups um this is something that we did last year and we probably will have again this year but we invite a small group of black people who are studying geography at all levels but particularly postgraduate PhD students and academics and we just have a discussion and ask some questions then we record it and we share it on our um, Instagram as an IGTV so obviously we ask everyone for permission if they're happy for it to be shared and anybody who said something they don't want shared then we'll just cut it out and just keep it internal so that we can just you know take like a quote from what they said and use that in either like some marketing or some upcoming reports that we have and that is the main purpose of that for us to gather as many thoughts and opinions about the issues from other people outside of the um, team so we are getting a wide range of like thoughts and feelings and not just a group of 10 of us speaking for everybody another thing that we do is create opportunities like we have our scholarship program in partnership with S3 so I think it's like £30,000 for undergraduates and £20,000 for a postgraduate study geography or a geoscience at um, undergraduate or postgraduate level. And in the summer, we're working with an environmental consultancy um, to create work experience opportunities for members of our network. And that's kind of like what we're doing at this side of the year. I'm not trying to do as much as I did last year just because it was very, very draining. And while it is something that I'm passionate about, I cannot just keep pushing and doing a lot because I know other people really appreciate it but it was really a lot last year so this year I'm kind of just taking it slow and doing like little bits here and there so it's more sustainable. That's so important I think especially when we're working in things that you are very passionate about it can be so hard to set that boundary for yourself to be like actually I'm still a full all-rounded human being and I need I have other needs and yeah respecting that is super valuable. I wanted to go on to now talking about your blogging because you started blogging when you were 14, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's six or seven years now you've been blogging? Yeah, so it's seven years in June, on June the 22nd. So like you said, I started at 14. And now I do more like freelance pieces. So I've written for Euro News and I've got a couple more commissions for other publications coming up. And I haven't actually written a blog post in a while because I feel a bit lost in the blogging world now. But I'm hoping like over the next few months I can start writing there again. 
but originally I started it just because I love writing when I was in high school I was one of those like gifted and talented people in English so naturally I think I'm a good writer um, and I really enjoy reading and things like that so it was just one of those things where one day I woke up um, actually I'd come back from the summertime ball of like 2013 or 14 one of those years and I was like right I'm gonna start a blog um, and back then it was something small um, and I still have some of my old posts up actually um, that I will be archiving them when I like migrate to WordPress but yeah so from there I started writing every single week and up until last year I used to write every single week wow. every single Monday or Wednesday I'd upload something but obviously just because I am getting older and obviously I want to get involved in those other things and like obviously want to have a career at some point I am doing loads of other things now um, and that doesn't mean I can't blog but it just makes it a little bit more difficult because sometimes I don't want to share things that I would have that I used to share um, particularly like personal posts because it's like mm, don't really want my boss reading this <laughs> not that it's anything bad but there is some things that the internet was a lot smaller when I started blogging it was such a different place there wasn't the nastiness that is out there now and you know it's kind of just to protect yourself your mental health and well-being but yeah I'm just trying to find that balance and get back into it but I absolutely love it um I'd love to see like more people get into blogging because it's brought me so many opportunities um outside of like everything that I do now that is where originally I used to get opportunities so I remember I went to Moonpig HQ and I got to take my mum for Mother's Day and there was like a Mother's Day event um I got to work with Naomi Smart last year the YouTuber on her business as a model and I just I've had so many opportunities from having it that I never want it to go away I kind of want it to grow with me but it's kind of discovering how it is going to grow with me and I can still write while you know not like giving too much away about myself that I don't just want out there on the internet for anybody to access especially because when you google my name it's the first thing that comes up yeah so the, the pressure's on the first thing that comes up it feels like a very defining aspect yeah yeah wow so are there kind of other ways you would say that the sort of style of your writing or the focus of your writing has shifted over like the seven year span that you've been writing for so I used to write about fashion beauty and lifestyle and I just find it so funny now because most of the time I just wear John Bottoms tracksuits or gym clothes <laughs> and um, I'm not a makeup person um, I used to be when I was like 14 to 16 because I used to work as a Saturday girl at a sweet shop with one of my best friends and there used to be a boots like across the road so we'd always go there and spend our like wages on that so I was really into makeup and like that was where YouTube was really in its height like Zoella and Patricia Bright and all of that I feel like they were such a big part of that part of my um, teenage years. And then as I've grown, I'm just like, yeah, I'm not really interested in that type of stuff now. Like I wear clothes and yeah, but I don't really want to style them or show people how I wear things. And I'm not into beauty, so I'm not doing beauty reviews. And I have to decline a lot of like beauty type of work now and fashion work. So I'm like, it's just not me. It wouldn't even be authentic. I couldn't even pretend that I care because I don't. Um, <laughs> as for lifestyle, that is something that I really do enjoy like telling people about what it is that I do and reading particularly um but I also kind of like Instagram for that type of thing now um so for like reading I have a post on my blog about books that I've read that I bought read and hated but then on my Instagram I use like one of the highlights to um review books that I read and like encourage other people to read and I love seeing people buy the books that I recommend 
I was like, oh my God, I love this. <laughs> but it's just so nice um, creating this new space. And I think my writing has grown in that you can tell that I've grown in age over the years through my writing. So I'll send it to you via email, my old pieces versus like what I'd write now. And it's like this things that I'm just like, why did you care? Or like, why did you write this? But it's also nice to look back on and see you know what my mental health was like then or what my likes and dislikes were then and how I've kind of changed or I still like the same things but just in a different way now or appreciate a different aspect of them yeah that's so incredible because it's like you literally have a like um a documentation of where you were at in your thinking and your values and your situation and all of that that you can look back on and really see how much you've grown and changed and developed like that's so cool now I would like to move on to quite a lot of a heavier topic um based on another article that you wrote for Euro News which was in Mm -hmm. relation to the tragic death of Ella Adukisi Deborah regarding toxic air pollution and its link to environmental racism and Mm -hmm. yeah if you could talk a little bit more about your inspiration for writing that article and what you hoped you could communicate through writing that article that people could take away so again this started with a tweet (laughs) so Sadiq Khan the London mayor tweeted something about air pollution in London and I quote tweeted it saying like you know Londoners we are something about being more exposed to air pollution or something in certain areas and then underneath that I must have said something about how I feel like I need to do more to make sure that I'm educating black communities about these issues because a lot of the time we see these new news articles and reports and we can't see ourselves in the issues and it's like these things are affecting us the most and I think I said that in the piece that I feel kind of a sense of responsibility as a black geographer to inform my community on matters that concern the environment and it's important people to understand the intersectionality between environmental justice racism and the need for um environmental issues sorry racism and the need for environmental justice so with air pollution we're all exposed to air pollution obviously um but some people are more exposed than others so black people in london are more likely to be exposed to toxic air than white people um and transport is one of the key drivers of air pollution in the uk um because so many of us are dependent on cars Um, but there needs to be cleaner and healthier modes of transport. And most pollution in London is caused specifically by um, road, domestic and commercial heating systems with like particle matter and nitrogen dioxide being the two most concerning pollutants in the capital. Where environmental justice comes into this, like the intersectionality, is how systematic injustices translate into into environmental and socioeconomic Um, inequalities so it's not coincidental that inner city areas heavily polluted by black people are also subject to long-term exposure to pollutants and I referenced the term environmental racism in this piece that I wrote and that's when neighborhoods that are densely populated by black and brown people um, are burdened with disproportionate number of environmental hazards such as toxic waste and other sources of environmental pollution that lower the quality of life so for me It's very important that, you know, when I get the opportunity to write these articles, that I am trying my best to do them justice and make sure that, you know, when black people do read them, they see themselves in what I write. Because 
unfortunately, the burden of environmental degradation, <laughs> can never say that word, environmental degradation um, falls unfairly on communities of colour and levels of pollution and consumption are rising yearly and climate change is set to increase the impacts of um, air pollution on poor, black, brown and minority ethnic communities, which I am a part of as a black woman. Yeah, it's just so, so stark, the reality when people allow themselves to see it. And I think recognising this intersectionality between systemic racism and environmental issues is so important that it's recognised because, like you were saying, it is the case that communities of colour are are being affected much more than the white majority in the country. So, yeah, it's, it's so important that this is brought to the forefront and hopefully taken seriously in the way that it should be. Definitely. Um, And I really hope that I get more opportunities to write pieces like this in the future, particularly with like biodiversity and COVID and how that affects black and brown communities, but from a geographer's perspective rather than from the like more health perspective. I guess health is um, involved in it, but yeah, you know what I mean? Um, but going off that, I'd love to ask how how do you feel that your approach coming to it as a geographer will influence the perspective on which you will talk about these things? So a part of like my degree is learning about all of these things, and you know I have to do so much reading, and I learn from all the lectures and stuff. So I learn like the science, and I learn the social impacts, the economic impacts the health the the mental health like all of these sort of things and I just think all of these things can be linked um and I can find a way to hopefully incorporate all of these different factors that do contribute to black and brown communities facing the burden um of environmental issues in like one piece I think something that being a geographer brings is how interdisciplinary our subject is so it takes aspects of so many different subjects and that is something that I'm able to apply to the way I write and the way that I think and I think that's what I bring to it so you're not just getting like the science behind it you're also getting the social things and the economic things but not in a way where it's you know heavily financial heavily economic it's you know how this is going to affect local economies how this is going to affect local people their jobs their opportunities and those are the things that matter the most to me because there is no economy without people and that's the perspective that I like to write about um because I find that more important than maybe sometimes how it's written by those who might not have studied geography or who might not have that social understanding of things yeah I think it's so valuable to write in that way because it allows people to relate to it more because they can see themselves in it, not because they have to have studied a scientific degree in order to understand it. Like, I think there really is a gap that needs to be bridged between the scientific research and communicating that to society, because everyone is professionals in different areas of their life. Not everyone has the time to sit down to try and understand all of the scientific jargon. So it's super valuable. Definitely. And I always try to write things in as simple language as I can. Because I know if if there's a like a paper and it's got words I don't well, words I understand, but they're just big. I'm probably not gonna read it because I'm just gonna blow them. 
can't be bothered with this. <laughs> Whereas if it's more simple, but it still gets the point across, I'm going to read it because it's just so easy. I can scroll and read it on my phone or, you know, on my laptop or it's just not something that uses a lot of brain power. So, yeah. Yeah. So now that we've talked a bit about all of the incredible work that you're doing and some of your pieces that you've written, which are so crucial things to be talking about and raising awareness about, I was wondering how you managed to balance that with looking after your own well-being, because obviously the advocacy work is so important but it's also really important to make sure that you're okay in yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So this is something that I am learning because becoming more high profile or something that's, I guess in this type of industry is new to me because in blogging world, some people genuinely only know me as Fran the blogger and everything else that I do, they're like, I still only know her as like the writer. Um, So I feel like, people know things about me most of my work um before speaking to me and I'm always a bit taken by surprise about how much people know I can find out from the internet I remember having an interview and um yeah the interviewer must have said something about like my schedule because I must have tweeted it like a long time ago about how I plan out my days just so I get enough time to do all these things and study for university etc and I was just so surprised I was like how do you know that (laughs) and then I was like well everything's public so people are going to know these things and I mean I've had some times where I faced like some like abuse and like um racial abuse racial abuse kind of comments and death threats and things like that um and I hate to say it but it is a normal part of having a big following which is bad um that is becoming something that is so normalized um but I guess for me, I'm very lucky. I have very supportive friends and family, particularly my older sisters and my like close friendship group. I'm very, very lucky. But outside of that, I know that I've, I've definitely had to learn to find balance. And that's something that I hadn't found last year. And I found it really difficult. So I used to get really, really overwhelmed. And there was a time where like I literally couldn't leave my bed for three weeks. Even though I had uni, I was still doing it. Um, but I just found it so difficult because... Obviously, every time I go online, there was this, there was that. and I, It was just very overwhelming. And there's no training about, oh, if, you're, if you become, you know, known for what you do, this is how you handle people, like, asking you about things and messaging all the time, wanting education or wanting to know more about something. And I kind of had to learn how to set boundaries. But first and foremost, like, with balance. And I know everyone says this, like, I love what I do and I have a genuine passion for it and you know naturally sometimes I just can't cope so I remember there was a time where someone messaged me on Instagram and had a go at me because I wasn't saying something about a global issue that was happening Um, but I had been raising awareness about it on my personal account and I was a bit taken back by this because I thought should I be saying this on the Black Jorfers account but then after speaking with the rest of the team I was like Black Jorfers is not an activist group we're trying to raise awareness and we're trying to change the curriculum. We're trying to connect people. And I had to put my foot down and say, this space is not that. And that's OK. It doesn't mean that I don't care and I can't advocate or be an activist in my in all my online spaces because it becomes exhausting. And sometimes I just want to be on Twitter to laugh. <laughs> it doesn't mean that I don't care. It just means that at 9 p.m. at night, you cannot be messaging me about work. Because at that time I switched off, 6pm I've switched off, unless I'm doing like an event or something that overruns. It's out of my head now. 
and then following from that setting boundaries is a big one for me so if you message me on my social media about my work I'm not answering because I advertise my email for that reason and like I was just saying I don't want to be scrolling on Twitter at night and be bombarded with work requests and it's not fair on me because then all my spaces become about work and I can't just have fun with my friends or just laugh at like a meme or a TikTok video or something like that. And last year, I really did let all of my spaces um, become spaces where I'd allow people to just ask me questions at any time of the day and, you know, answer them immediately or take like an hour out of my day when I actually had work to do to go and research all this stuff for somebody. And I just thought, you can't do that, Fran. You actually have one I work like outside of like geographers two I study full-time um now I'm also training for a marathon and I also have like friends to you know keep our relationships and I have a family as well um and just because I don't show them on my social media and you know ever I think sometimes people can see you as someone who does a lot and just think like that's their whole life and it's like when I'm not online, I'll be annoying my sisters or annoying my friends in the group chat. Like I'm just a normal, well, not that normal, um, <laughs> 21 year old. And I, when, we're, when we were allowed, I would just go out with my friends and do everything that 20 year olds, 21 year olds, 20 year olds do. And I still want to be allowed to do those things. And I think I definitely saw that how quickly you can lose yourself and how quickly your mental health can just slip and that is one thing that you have to kind of maintain and you have to make sure that that's kind of stays to some level of like I don't know what the word for it is but you know you kind of you have to look after it like it's a child because it's so easily breakable or so easy to just lose or yeah so easy to just lose yourself and stuff so I've definitely been prioritizing my mental health a lot since the end of the year so I don't work on weekends at all even if it's uni work I just won't work on weekends um if I reply to emails it's because I want to and not because I've forced myself to and I wake up early in the morning so I wake up at half seven or half six and I do a workout I go for a run I do yoga and then I journal and then I'll read at some point when I've got the time, usually before bed. And then I have a gratitude journal as well, which I fill out at the end of the day. But those things are, like, implementing those things into my routine have been, like, honestly amazing. Just taking, like, an hour out of my evening before I go to bed to read and light a candle or at the beginning of my day, writing a journal prompt or finding a journal prompt and just writing whatever comes into my head because that keeps me writing. And I see my writing improve even through my journal. And then at the end of the day, like what I'm grateful for, what I want to remember for that day and things that have made me smile. Um, just so I'm like retraining my mind to be more positive, even when I've had days that are bad or negative days. So, yeah, that is how I've been prioritised my mental health and how this year I'm managing a lot better. Um, I think last year was definitely a learning year for me, which is why I'm kind of taking like social media and creating content and working with people a lot more slower. And I know people can get annoyed because it does take me a while sorry <laughs> my throat <clears throat> but yeah um sometimes it does take me a while to get back to people but I just have to be like I am a one-man team when it comes to my emails and I have to obviously juggle university work and everything else so yeah it's just knowing that it's completely fine if I take longer than usual because I am just one person and I can't do everything um there's also a beauty in that, that I get to give it to other people 
um and sometimes I get an opportunity that I'm like actually I think this person would be a lot better for it or this person might have time for it or I would be able to do this maybe in the summer um so once it gets to May I'll be able to take all the opportunities and do so much more work because I'll be done with the academic year um but for now it's just taking my time being a lot slower because nothing's going to happen to me if I am a bit slower I mean people might get annoyed at me but I would rather that than me not be here because my mental health has got into such a bad state um and I my life is very important to me <laughs> so that is my first priority if I ever feel like I need to take a week off and not speak to anybody then I will do that because I am feeling like I'm getting to an age or a point in my life where it's like you do have to put yourself first and you cannot help other people if you're unable to help yourself and if I'm if my mental health is in the gutter then I'm no use to anybody and I can't do anything so that is how I'm handling things now you shared so many useful bits of information there there's so many things you were saying I was just like yes yes like (laughs) so important like especially with what you were saying about setting boundaries as well because especially because the world is so globalized now Mm -hmm. you can get messages coming in at like midnight because someone from America who's on a different time zone or something drops you a message and you can't be there to do that all the time and it's not your job to do that especially as well I think you're putting so much work into the platform and all of the other things that you do with your social media it needs to be your choice yeah not feel like it's an expectation on you because people can't expect that of someone everyone's got their own responsibilities with what they need to be learning and you can't expect one person to give you all of that because it's not their responsibility to educate you. It's their choice too when they want to. Definitely. Um, and that is definitely something that I've had to learn as well because it's there was a point where I did feel like, oh, maybe I do have to like all the time. And um, particularly during Black Lives Matter, I was putting out so much resources and so many things I'd like researched myself um, and creating like infographics and all of that and sharing it and then, my Instagram became a place of like education so I had to like archive all the posts that I'd done and just keep it to my stories because it was like I don't want people to come to my page and think you know I am an educator I mean I guess I do that like with black geographers but it just became not a space that I wanted to be in and I didn't want to sign into Instagram anymore I didn't want to sign into Twitter anymore I just wanted to like scream (laughs) every time I went into those spaces like internally screaming outwardly screaming um and feeling very overwhelmed it's so mad how like a social media or social networking sites can make you feel overwhelmed even though you know you can just turn off your phone you know but it's like you can turn off your phone but those things are still going to be there so how do you handle them at that time and still protect your mental health I'm still learning I can definitely do better and I can definitely you know work my mental health a lot better but for now things are okay great and it it sounds great as well with kind of you setting that routine for yourself with the journaling like the gratitude exercising in the morning and all of those things I think it's so important to recognize that they are valuable I think sometimes I can get into the headspace where I'm like oh but if I'm spending time doing this I could be doing something else and it's like But if you don't do the things to look after yourself, how long can you sustain that before you just burn out and can't do anything? Exactly. I think something that I love about, you know, the 
younger of like millennials and the older of Gen Z is how much we all talk about mental health and how much we talk about, you know, prioritizing it and sharing how, you know, we're our mental health journeys and our mental health battles. Because it's so nice to go online and even like TikTok. I love TikTok. <laughs> but are we scrolling on TikTok on like journal talk and seeing what other people's prompts are and what their motivations are and you know what they're writing about and then it inspires me for what I'm going to write about tomorrow in my journal and it's just such a nice positive space um and I remember growing up it mental health was not that it was still very taboo and I feel as though as we get more into the 21st century it is becoming more like a widely talked about thing um which is nice to see and it's nice to be a, like be present and alive during a time of like change as well yeah definitely I think it's it's almost like now it's equally the most terrifying but the most important time to be alive you know it feels like a real pivotal moment on so many levels and I think at times it can feel so overwhelming with everything that's happening with the climate when we're realizing how much injustice there is socially in the world there's so much more that needs to be done but it's being pushed to the forefront which needs to keep happening more and more Mm -hmm. but it's great that we're starting to have more awareness it just needs to keep going more and more yeah definitely I completely agree I mean you've kind of answered this in a way already um but the question I always ask at the end of the podcast is how you find your little bit of lagum and lagum's a Swedish concept which is all about a little bit not too much finding that balance how you find yours would be lovely to hear so I know I've mentioned a lot about um, mental health things like that but I think it's the journey to finding that balance for me and the only way that I find that you're going to find your balance is by trial and error so push yourself to the max and see what parts of like pushing yourself you can cope with or parts that you can't cope with and then from there you kind of discover what your limits are along the way so last year I did a lot and I realized oh it's great to get to the end of the year and be like oh I did this I did that and I feel so good about myself because I'm really one of those like people that was overachieving in school and I just want to do everything it's like a jack of all trades but a master of one none even (laughs) but um that's completely fine you know not beating yourself up about discovering your balance so if you do get to a point where you are overwhelmed and do have a breakdown that's completely fine you will like pick yourself up you will find yourself again you will find that balance again I don't think that balance is something that's continual I think it's something that will go down it will go up it will get destroyed and you just have to keep you know rebuilding it and finding ways to even if it is that you say for example it's like your balance is a bridge and one part of the bridge is consistent and you know straight and smooth and the other part is a bit here there and everywhere but then the end is smooth you can just work to try to balance it all out and that's fine I think sometimes people feel as though every aspect of their life or you know their mental health is just going to be amazing from day one and even the people who don't suffer from mental health really badly still you know their mental health can go up and down as well. So it's all about just finding that balance, allowing yourself to have those bad days, not beating yourself up about them, um, and building your smooth bridge. Yeah, I completely agree with the idea that 
there might be certain parts in our, of our life that are in balance and other parts won't be. And what helps us feel balanced in one moment won't be the same in another moment because our situation is constantly changing. So nothing can be a constant. And that's something that I have to learn because I was like, I've been in a situation before. Why am I not handling it? And then I'd get really upset about it or annoyed. And then I was like, this situation is different to this time. Like maybe I've never experienced it in the winter or I've never experienced it while studying or I've experienced it while working. And that's completely fine. It's something that takes time. And yeah. Well, thank you so much. It's been so lovely talking with you. Oh, I've loved speaking. <laughs> Honestly, I love talking. <laughs> it's great to be able to just have conversations about things and yeah I just love conversation I think it's so important to get people to yeah to hear different perspectives to challenge their own thinking and dig deeper into what they really think about things it's nice Definitely. and I feel as though being in now lockdown three having conversations with people felt so much deeper because I've had so much time to think and to talk to myself about what goes on in my head. So when I'm talking to other people, I feel as though I'm being more honest or I'm allowing myself to be more open because you're not seeing people that often. Like at the moment, all I see is my family. I don't see my friends or I don't see other people who could be like my colleagues and things like that. So I definitely am just appreciating conversation a lot more and discussions and even starting discussions within amongst like different groups that I'm in as well. There's just so many things that like, pre-covid I never used to talk about and now I'm like always you know ask my friends what they think about this even if it's something they don't care about because it's just interesting to hear what they think yeah awesome and I do believe that the more conversations people have the more you learn the more you can grow the more you can question and challenge what you're thinking the more you can make positive changes because you're informing yourself about things so yeah, yeah. There's sort of beauty in conversation. Definitely. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, no worries. It was great to be here. Yeah, it was absolutely wonderful having you. So. <laughs> Thanks so much again to Francisca. The work you're doing is incredible and I'm sure anyone listening will have so much to take away from this conversation. If you want to learn more about Black Geographers, you can find them on Instagram at Black Geographers. And to follow what Francisca is getting up to, you can find her on Instagram at Fran Rocky. And there you can link to her website and published writing, which I will link separately and highly recommend that you read. Do feel free to get in touch if you have any questions or thoughts from any of the episodes. I really do love hearing from you. You can find me on Instagram at a little bit of largum or email me on a little bit of largum at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and I hope that you're well wherever you're listening from and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye.